Kathleen Riccio. Hey friend, make sure to check out today's show notes, how to get to the show notes. You're going to click on the app that you're listening to this podcast on, scroll down a little bit and you will see links to everything mentioned in today's episode. Also make sure to sign up for my newsletter. I send out weekly you know, just love from me and also discounts to friends on that newsletter for upcoming courses. I have a couple good ones coming up. The next one focusing on nighttime binge eating. So if that is something you struggle with, you are not going to want to miss out on this mini course. All right, to the show. So excited for today's episode. I have Susan. She is an online personal trainer, also a mom, a former counselor and former teacher and just current badass. Susan shares a lot about her weight loss journey, um, how she stopped yo-yo dieting, how clean eating didn't really help move things along. Um, And also I love, she shares how she uh, started running and used the run-walk method to finish half marathons and really improved her time with that. She shares how she actually lost weight and how she keeps it off and then how she helps other women do the same. So excited. All right. I'm so excited today on the podcast. We have Susan Niebergall. Susan, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. It's so great. So Susan and I connected on Instagram and I will have all of the links to her social media um, because you guys are going to love her. Um, But Susan, let's get started. So you are an online coach, former counselor, teacher, um, half marathoner, lots of things that you've done in life. Um, But I always like starting out with where, um, you know, what fitness looks like for people. Um, cause a lot of people start the podcast and they're like, you know, I'm a new runner, but I have no experience with, you know, fitness. So what was fitness like for you in like high school or college? Were you super athletic? <laughs> you know, it didn't really exist that much. I don't, re- you know, I don't remember doing fitness in high school at all. I was a music person. So that was my life that consumed me. Um, I was on a swim team in middle school. <laughs> I was horrible, but that's, a, I don't, I didn't do any sports in high school at all. Um, and in college either. So fitness really wasn't a thing. I had to take, I had to take a fitness class in college. I remember that, that was tough, but <laughs> yeah, I was music. I was just all music. So really the fitness thing didn't start with me until gosh, um, after college, yeah, a couple of years after college and it was aerobics then. <laughs> That's so funny. So I've had several people on the podcast recently and we talked about the whole like step aerobics and Zumba and yeah, yeah. slidey things and just, um, yeah, I remember doing step aerobics in my, in my basement or in my parents' house. Oh, aerobics was the big thing. And a lot of it was high impact too. Um, you know, a lot of jumping and pounding and, and, and doing all that. Yeah. It was very different. And you know, everyone looked very different too. (laughs) You had the little leotards and all that, the big hair. I didn't have big hair, but, um, yeah, all that stuff back then. (laughs) Yeah. So you did get into running at some point in your life. Yeah. What did that look like for you? Um, it was not pretty. (laughs) It was not, I really, I, at, at the time I, you know, when I did it, I really enjoyed it. And I think the thing I liked most about it was the freedom of it. You know, the whole putting on a pair of shoes and going, yeah. that part was extremely appealing. Um, and I, I did half marathon at Disney. Um, terrain is pretty, neg- I mean, it's really easy there. And, but it was very low pressure. It wasn't like, there aren't a ton of serious runners there. I mean, there are some, but um, most of the people are there for the experience of it and it's fun. And, you know, you stop all along the course and, you know, I mean, it, it was just a different kind of vibe. The one that I needed, cause I wasn't going to be a competitive runner at all. So, um, leading up to that though, I did five K's worked my way from a, a run, walk, run, walk kind of thing in five K's to being able to do them all. And then I went back to the, uh, run, walk, run, um, format, the Galway way. And, um, did that for all my half marathons actually. Um, and yeah, I mean, I liked it at the time I ended up getting injured. I, I was a heavy runner. Um, I was a pounder. And so I never got coached. I should have, I never did. I think that would have extended and improved my running tremendously. Um, but even back then it didn't even occur to me that they were running coaches. You know, I didn't even, I didn't even know. So, you know, you don't know what you don't know, <laughs> you know? 
so yeah, I just kept doing my my own. I, I would find um, a, a program online, usually from Galway. He he was he was um, he resonated with me in in his approach. So um, I would get a couple of his programs on trying to increase mileage and things like that. And my hamstrings kept getting nicked up and those were nagging. And, you know, I think that all has to do, I, I hear now probably with how I was striking, um, the ground and, um, yeah, but I enjoyed it while I did it. I dressed up and looked ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but I wasn't real. I mean, I wasn't very good. I was really slow, but you know, I, I will say this because I know you have a lot, you're all about running the, the whole thing. There was a, there was a pressure of having to run it all. That was like, the thing, did you run the whole thing, you know? And if you didn't, that was somehow not as good as, and I hated that part of it. But what was interesting is I kept doing Galway's method all the time. And I ended up doing a half marathon locally here after doing Disney ones. And, um, I shaved 20 minutes off my time and people have no, they're, they're dumbfounded that I shaved that much off my time with walking intervals, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, it's, it was, it's fascinating. So, um, yeah, for any runner out there that that's struggling with doing that, I so recommend that. I, and, and if I were to take up running again, I would do it the exact same, especially now with my age being what it is, I would do it the exact same way for sure. Yeah. That's so funny. And I think that's so true. A couple things. One, like running is, I feel like it's the gateway into fitness. Like we all like, Oh, I want to, I want to lose weight or I want to have your whatever. And exactly what you said, you can just put shoes on and start running and you go yeah, and you go and that's yeah. it. And then you're like, okay, let me try out the plans. And then, you know, I want to get better. And you just kind of like look at different things. But so what transitioned you out of running into what you're doing now? You know, that's a great question. Um, running, I kept getting nicked up. So I think that was, I was transitioning myself out of that. I had always, I was still in the gym while I was running. I mean, okay. it was like I was doing one or the other. I was still in the gym and I was probably, I, I don't, I, I don't know the timing is all fuzzy of what was when, but I'm sure I was working with trainers while I was running in the gym, not for running, but in the gym <laughs> and get, I mean, I was always getting stronger and everything, but I never lost the weight for good. Like I would lose some Running helped me slim down a little, but it didn't define me um, with muscle definition because I was running. I wasn't running sprints. I was running, you know, I was endurance. I was trying to do distance. And so I think that's a whole different beast than running, you know, running sprints. You look at the bodies of sprinters versus the bodies of endurance runners. I mean, it, they're two totally different kinds of builds. And so I was more of a sprinter build, but I didn't sprint. So I think training was, was probably getting really messed up with all of that. I wasn't helping myself on either side as much, but, um, I was still lifting in the gym with trainers. I was trying to learn everything and, um, I became a gym rat, you know? And so then that just kind of was the place I felt comfortable, um, lifting stuff. I started feeling more and more and more comfortable and, um, decided I was a counselor. I like to talk to people. I like to hang out in the gym. This is a great marriage. <laughs> and, then I got certified. It's been about probably 12 years now. I think something like that. Yeah. So I, I've been having this big push about why new runners and, and, you know, people that are afraid of the gym, like, and afraid of muscle and afraid of these things. But like a lot of us do start running to lose weight, find the hobby, but then find out, Hmm, I'm doing all this cardio. All I do is keep eating. I'm not seeing the results I thought I was going to get from running. Yeah. I'm not yeah. So can you go into a little bit of that? Like what, what started to change when you focus more on lifting? You know, it's interesting. Um, when I was running, um, I wasn't running to lose weight. I was running. Um, well, I guess I was to, an, to a degree, but I thought of it more as get in shape, yeah. that kind of generalized thing, um, as opposed to, um, getting a defined muscle and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, but it, it's interesting when I started going into the gym and start lifting heavyweights, that's when I noticed the muscle starting to come. Um, not so much the weight loss because I was a yo-yo dieter for a long time. I would go through phases of unknowingly dialing in my nutrition because I never tracked anything. So unknowingly I would dial in my nutrition and I would lose some weight. 
and I would lift in the gym and I unknowingly didn't know that that was really playing a huge role too. And then nutrition, just, Oh yeah, five handfuls of almonds every day or whatever. And I'm adding more calories and then I'm back to where I was, you know? So I did this whole thing back and forth and back and forth, but ultimately all that kind of turned around. It was four years ago. It hasn't even been four years probably. So it's very recent that I've been able to turn it all around and keep it turned around this time. Yeah. Can we, yeah, I've definitely seen this on your Instagram before. Um, a lot of us, you know, the clean eating movement, like, Oh, we're clean eaters. Like, Oh, I'm eating almonds. Almonds are healthy. I'm eating avocados and I don't want to just name healthy fats, but like a lot of those things, like I would eat like an avocado or two a day, (laughs) like, cause it's healthy. Yeah. 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 Um, Drizzle coconut oil on everything. Everything. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I I was the same and that's exactly what I did wrong. And I, I just look back on that and think, yeah, those and almonds, poor almonds get like thrown under the bus all the time with this because everyone always goes to them first because they're healthy and all this. But the problem is you, you take a handful of almonds, you know, you're, you're, I'm at school. Someone always has stuff sitting out. You, You grab a handful of almonds and you do that like three times during the course of a long day. And you're thinking, okay, I'm eating almonds because I'm trying to keep the hunger away. Okay. But I'm eating 200 calories of almonds every time I put my, you know, (laughs) that's a lot of calories that you don't even think of, you know, because it's healthy. And that's why when people come to me and I ask them about their nutrition, it's so interesting. The first thing out of their mouth is I eat healthy. I don't know what that means, you know? And, and as soon as I hear that, I get the sympathy, the empathy pangs in here because I know, I already know pretty much what's going on because they don't really track, but they're eating pretty healthy and they're frustrated because they haven't lost that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's why. Yeah. Like, okay, but I switched the hamburger <laughs> for the almond. Yeah. So something yeah. changed. Yeah. yeah. Like I sacrificed it's, that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I put a post up this morning mm-hmm. about that very thing. Oh, did you? Well, I think it's entitled why am I not losing weight or something like that? And there are four things and, and the, the not tracking those little things like the handful of almonds, the mocha I got at Starbucks today. I forgot about that one. You know, um, those two things alone are probably 400 extra calories on your day, you know? Um, and that's so common that everyone, we just don't think about it. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we start doing like, oh gosh, there must be something wrong with me, something wrong with yeah. my metabolism, something yep, wrong yeah. with my body type that I can't lose weight. Yeah. Y'all do it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I did it. I went to the doctor and had her check it because I was convinced that was my problem. I mean, I was a hundred percent convinced because of my age and everything I had heard that my metabolism has now slowed down so much that, um, that's why I am, you know, working hard and eating right. And I'm still not losing weight. And, you know, interesting about all of those things. Um, first of all, it was not my metabolism. My metabolism was fine. My thyroids, everything was fine. Um, but I thought I was working hard and, and, and to some degree I was in the gym. I was doing lots of high volume and, and I was actually overworking. I was not using my time. Well, I was, I was, I was getting injured, the whole thing. And then I thought I was working really hard with my nutrition and I wasn't working at it at all, actually. I wasn't keeping track of things, but because I thought I was eating healthy or clean or whatever word we want to call it, um, I thought it, you know, subconsciously, it just didn't matter because it was healthy, you know? So it didn't matter. So I didn't really need to combine that that as as we get older and and our bodies are changing our needs are different you know our our needs are different and our body doesn't need what it needed before and so you you I was eating the same way as I did when I was 30 you know and I you just can't do that so that so I'm glad you brought this up so tracking can actually feel it can feel super overwhelming like oh gosh like oh yeah how did you get over this or how do you help your clients um normalize it and make it like less pressured. You know, it's interesting. The people that reach out to me are generally, um, not all, but a lot of middle-aged people. Mm -hmm. And so apps are not the norm for, I want to say us, but for me. Um, so sometimes they think you have to be on the phone and do these apps and you have to enter all this data and, you know, it has to be this kind of thing. And I don't use an app to track mine at all. 
I don't want to have anything to do with any of those things because they just blow my head up. (laughs) So literally I am so old school and and I used to be embarrassed to say this, but I'm not anymore. Um, I use a spreadsheet, you know, a simple spreadsheet. I, I literally first make a spreadsheet and I tell my clients to do this too, because protein is a huge player in this. And, and, And I want to put out there, you're trying to lose fat, you don't have to track every macro. You just don't have to do it. But you do need to keep track of your calories and you do need to keep track of protein because those are the two difference makers. And 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 I think if you build your meals around protein, you're you're gonna be great. And so to do that, I tell everybody it's it's homework, yeah, and it takes a little upfront work, but once you have this list that you create, um, you will use it forever. And it's a basic spreadsheet. I send it to everybody partially filled out. And it will say like chicken, four ounces, six ounces, seven ounces. And then how many calories are in those servings? How many grams of protein are in those servings? You do the same for shrimp, how many shrimp and you know all that kind of stuff. And, or you do the same for Greek yogurt and cottage cheese. You make a list of all the protein sources that you love and different serving sizes, because sometimes you may have a cup, sometimes you may have a half a cup, whatever calories for those serving sizes, protein grams for those serving sizes. So now in front of you, you have this list. And now the math is done. That part you really don't have to worry about very much at all. The, most of it's done. And now you start building your meals on paper or on another spreadsheet, however you want to do it. Um, I'm going to have two eggs and that's this many calories. I'm going to have, you know, um, cottage cheese or Greek yogurt for breakfast with fruit. Or You start like that. I also like to give clients a calorie range to hit as opposed to, I want you to hit 1,500 calories because no one's ever going to hit that. I mean, you never hit the number. So why set somebody up like that? Because so much of this is about your mindset anyway. They're walking into this thinking it's going to be a pain in the ass, tedious. I don't want to do it. So I've just made it worse by giving them a target they're never going to hit, you know? So set them up for success. Here's a range I want you to pick. I mean, I, I want you to hit. I pick the range. Here's what I want you to do. You fall somewhere into this range. And it's just practice. And maybe, maybe they start tracking one meal a day and maybe they do, then we add another meal and we just build. So they get used to where am I going to find my calorie numbers where, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's a skill like anything else. And what they find is, and what I found is it's not as bad as you think, you know, and you don't have to do it forever. You know, it's about the education that you get when you do it. And then once you become educated and you understand portion size and calories and relationships and all that, then you can try intuitive eating. But I think those that try intuitive eating first have, they struggle because they don't know enough yet. You know, they don't know six ounce chicken, chicken breast they think is four or they think is, you know, three. And so now that everything's all messed up. So learning all of that is so important. Yeah, you can see the teacher and you coming out with that and using it as a tool. And like, yeah. like I think about this too. Like I used to teach kindergarten. It's like, you know, I would give my five-year-old like a bookmark that would be like, this is how we sound out the word cat. You know, like you're going to start with the beginning sound or the middle sound or like just different things like that. But they were tools. If you're 35 years old and you're still yeah. holding that, that bookmark from, you know, from when you were five, you have issues. And, but it's yeah. like yeah, yeah, a yeah. tool it's scaffolding. If, if there's any teachers that are listening, it's scaffolding to help. And it normalizes things. Like you it said, does. Like a lot it of, does. Yeah. Um, and I think be, being a teacher has helped significantly because when you're a teacher, you have to diversify and, and, and um, kind of engage people differently. And, and I, once I, talk to them on the phone, I get an idea of, you know, I feel when they dig in their heels, I feel that that tension because I did it myself. Um, so I understand that. So it's just ways to kind of break through that, um, and try to set people up for success because once you have some successes, then, you know, you start getting confidence and then it just starts going from there. And the same thing when you teach exercises to people, you know, you, you, you don't start them with the most complicated exercise there is, you know, you start off basic, and let them build from basic. And that's, you know, and honestly in gym basics work. So there's not a whole lot of need to stray from basics anyway. You know, I mean, other than boredom, you really don't have to. Right. Um, so learning from the ground floor is super important in the gym too. 
Yeah. I want to touch on, so you said this calorie range. <clears throat> I still have people that will message me and be like, 1,200 calories. That's like the magic oh, number to lose weight, I right? Know, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, matter of fact, I'm talking to somebody in about two hours. And one of the things she sent on her application was, she, that's how many calories she was eating. Um, and, and she weighs a, a good bit. You know, 1,200 is a number that I think works well if you're small, petite, um, and, and don't weigh a whole lot. <laughs> um, that could work for you. Other than that, no, it just doesn't work for most people. It's um, Will you lose weight on that? Oh, I guarantee you, you would. But will you be able to sustain that? I guarantee you, you won't. You know, and so I guess, what is the goal here? You know, if the goal is to lose weight quickly um, for the short term, then I'm probably not your girl, but go ahead. I mean, that'll do it, um, but you'll probably be doing it again soon. Um, or do you want to create a sustainable way of living? And then I'm your person, and, the, and, the, and then we go. And the range that I generally have people go on, much, much more modest. Um, and, and therefore, it's going to move slower. But if you're consistent with it, you'll see the movement that you want, you know? Yeah, that word consistency. Like, no one can consistently eat 1,200 calories. So it'll be 1,200 calories and then 5,000. <laughs> You know, I was part of a rapid fat loss uh, thing for a couple weeks, and that was specifically designed where you are significantly low, significantly low for like two days, and then you add in calories the next three days, and then the next three days, more calories. And then by the end of the two weeks, you're still in the deficit, but you're at a, a modest deficit, a sustainable one. It's a jump start kind of thing. It's not designed for you to sustain it's not designed for anyone to stay at that first initial starting point um, for any more than a day or two at most, but it just kind of gives people that little uh, that some people need. And the interesting thing about that is if you understand what it's for, it can be very, very helpful for some people. Um, some others will get obsessed with, oh, wow, you know, I lost six pounds in two, two weeks and thinking that's the norm. Well, that's not the norm. You were on this special little, you know, kickoff kind of thing. And it's not something that is designed to be sustainable. It's designed to be short, sweet, to the point, work your way up to a nice, modest deficit, and off you go. And it's interesting how it can work. um, And if you have the right mindset about it, it's fantastic. If you don't, stay with just the the regular old fall in here, somewhere in here every day. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's huge what you said about mindset because a lot of us, our mindset is just really crappy when we're working on a weight loss goal or, you know, starting to work out and we just expect these quick results and then we can't sustain them and then it goes into this failure. Um, How do you help your clients? Yeah, how do you help your clients like have a stronger mindset um, or healthier mindset? You know, I have to walk them through a lot um, of, of when situations pop up is when mindset stuff goes kind of out the window. Um, I, I, I sometimes will have clients, I'll issue them like a seven-day challenge. I said, for seven days, I want you to um, hit your calorie guidelines, hit your protein numbers, seven days, every single day, non-negotiable, do it. Um, without question. And let's see what happens because what most of them need is the, uh, they need to believe in themselves that they can do it first of all, and that, that it is doable. Um, And once they do the seven days and we say, we're not looking for these miraculous results in seven days. That's not what it's about. It's about you starting and finishing something to completion of this little mini challenge and that you can do it. And now we arm you with, okay, so now we keep going. That piece of the mindset is so important. And I think that helps a lot. Create discipline, create organization, um, preparedness, you know, all of that stuff that you need to, to be able to do for long-term success. I mean, it's just skill building is what it is. Um, and I think it's so important for that. Uh, so I like to do that. I think that's important. And the other thing that comes up re- regarding mindset is the whole, um, you know, I screwed up. I'm beating myself up. You know, I, basically you, you're, you're berating yourself. You're calling yourself an idiot for going out for dinner and having a dessert for God's sakes. You know, I used to do that all the time. 
um, and feeling horrible about it, that you've screwed everything up. And now I'm going to go on the elliptical for three hours to burn that uh, ice cream sundae off, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. And, um, and if you think about it, if it was your friend that told you that they did that, what would you tell them? You know, you would say, it's okay, you know, just to hop back on track and keep going, don't worry about it, you know? But yet when it's ourselves, um, we just beat the crap out of us, you know? And so working with that part and setting them up for um, social situations are very stressful, anxiety producing, on still wanting to make progress or having some sense of control and how to do that. Um, those are all big hurdles, I think. And I, it, it's so funny. I've got clients right now who are experiencing, hey, I did go to this. I set myself some rules before I went and I stuck to them and it was okay. It was great. I could do it, you know? Um, so yeah, mindset's huge in this. It's, it's a, it's really important. Yeah. And we don't realize that because like weight loss is about, or fat loss is about calories and calories out, getting protein, you know, moving our body, but it's like, if our mindset sucks, we're not going to keep up with that stuff. Not going to keep up with it. Um, you touched on a piece that I, I do want to talk about because I see this yeah. and I hear this a lot still, the punishing yourself with exercise, the, okay, I had, you know, whatever indulgence, now I'm going to go on the elliptical. And it's always, it's the elliptical or it's the treadmill. Always. Like, torture devices. <laughs> yeah, right? So what, what do you do? Like, what's your thought on that? The whole, like, using exercise as punishment because people still do I it. used to do it. Yeah. I used to do it so I can relate to it because intuitively we think I ate 500 calories of a dessert. If I go and spend however long on the elliptical, I have to spend, you know, to, to do the 500, to get rid of those 500 calories and I'm back to square one, you know, and the reality is it does, you, know, you don't gain fat that fast anyway. And that's the odd part. People think that you go out and you have an ice cream and you've all of a sudden now you have gained fat and it's, it, you know, it doesn't work that way. Um, it's not that fast, you know? Um, but, but yeah, the whole punishment cardio thing is a real thing. People do it all the time and they'll do it as the precursor. Like they'll, they'll, they'll do the punishment cardio first to make room <laughs> or however you want to look at it. You know, it's the same thing. And it's, I think it's the education of you don't, you won't lose progress by going out with your friends that night. I mean, you're not going to ruin all the progress you made from one night. Now, if you go out and you eat like a jerk and drink like a jerk for several nights, like if you do it on a Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday, you've probably negated your week, you know, nutritionally. Um, that could happen. Yeah. But if you go out Friday night and you are just having, you know, you get carried away, you have too many drinks or whatever. One night of that's not going to screw up everything like everyone thinks. What you need to do is just the next day, you hop right back on to whatever you want to do. And I think the biggest issue is the day after something like that, we feel horrible. And it's, it's physically like we feel fat because we have crap in our stomach. You know, it's still there. It's the usually not there. Yeah, the bloat. And, and we just don't feel good. We don't feel normal. So we assume I feel fat. You know, I'm fat now because I did that. That's not what it is. And then all your body needs is a little time to kind of readjust. And it's going to readjust faster if you just keep doing what you do. You eat how you've been eating. You get back into your routine. It will bounce and then it's going to be fine. You're going to feel better. But I think we, we mistake that feeling of bleh for fat, you know? And then it's a sense of panic. Like, oh my God, I've got to do something about this. I've screwed up, you know? And it's not fat. Yeah. It's just blood, you know, it's, it's bloat and, and stuff in your stomach still. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I'm glad you used that word panic. Cause it's like, think about any time that we've ever done something out of panic. Like has, have the results yeah. ever been like value added for like, no, like when we panic, no. we just yeah. think that we're, more. Right. And we're not thinking through things, you know, emotion. We're going basically on emotion. Everything is on emotion. And, um, and not what we know. And I think that's where we all get into trouble is when we go based, our actions are based on emotion 
Um, and if we can get the emotion piece out of it, I think things start falling into place. And that's, that doesn't happen overnight. I mean, it's easy to sit here and say that, but when you've been programmed for so many years to think a certain way, or, um, you know, it's intuitive to you that, you know, you eat more calories, you're going to gain weight, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it's not, it, it's not easy to break, but it requires some trust. It requires some faith and, and some practice, you know, is it going to happen right away? Maybe not, but you need to keep practicing and it gets easier and it gets better just like anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, one thing I have my clients do at the beginning of working together is write a letter to their future selves because you know, like you start something and there's, you know, you're like excited and you're thinking straight and then like, okay, a couple of days later, there are going to be so many emotions, but it's like, if you can write a letter to your future self that you know is going to be super emotional, like we know ourselves better than anyone else. Yeah. Um, and we know how that's a fabulous, that's a fabulous idea because you're right. We all hop in. We're all in, you know, at the beginning. All in. Yeah. Yeah. And this happens with my clients who we are all in and to the point of maybe being too much all in like we go 10,000 percent and you're gonna burn out you know you don't want this to consume you because there's more to life than this and you and that's we have to learn that balance you know we, we can't let fitness run our life it has to be a part of our life not running our life and I think some people dive in so hard which on the surface looks fantastic, but there ain't no way they're going to keep that up forever. You know, it's just not going to be able to happen. Um, and, 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 you know, that is a learned process too. I would rather have somebody come into me all in and overly excited than somebody who's dragging their heels. Cause they're obviously not ready to do it, but um, you know, just word of caution, it's great to be all in, but think of the pace that you're do, you're setting. Can you keep that up? You know, it, you're going to hit a roadblock. What's going to happen when you hit that first roadblock or that first little bump in the road? Cause they're there, you know, and, and it's just a matter of learning how to negotiate that and not letting that set you back to the start line every time. Like it did me every single time, you know, <laughs> so many, uh, running analogies I'm thinking of right now. So the last marathon I ran, it was in Chicago. And the, when you're in a lot of marathons in a big city, your GPS is way off. You don't know what your pace is. You're running with the crowds. We finished our first mile and it was like nine minutes and 45 seconds. I am not, that is not my marathon pace. And I'm getting texts from my family. Wow. Good job. Right. We get that external, that external validation. Oh, great. You lost 12 pounds in a week. You're doing awesome. We get that external validation but I know myself and I know what a marathon is. It's 26 miles. I'm like, this is not a good thing that I just ran a 945 mile. Like that is going yeah. to mess up the rest of my marathon yeah. because that I just is- burned so much. I just, no. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's so funny you bring that up because I met Galway several times uh-huh. at these Disney marathon, half marathons. And the first one I ever did, I didn't start my run, walk, run thing until... It was too late. It was like halfway through because adrenaline got the best of me at the start line. Boom. Like you said, out of the gate, um, going way faster. I don't need to walk yet. I'm good. You know? And by like mile 10, I'm having, my legs are like cramping up. My hamstrings feel horrible. I get to the finish line and I'm thinking, this is halfway to a marathon. There's no freaking way I will ever do, you know, God, it was crazy. So I saw him the next year at and I told him at the end how I felt. And he said, let me ask you this, Susan. He goes, did you start your intervals at the start line? And I said, no. And he goes, that's exactly why it happened. You need to do it from the beginning. Pace yourself. Even though adrenaline wants to take over and you want to just keep cruising, pace yourself. And so I did for that race. And what a difference. <laughs> what a difference. I wasn't miserable. You know, I could finish and I finished pretty strong and I saved a little time off and, you know, it was much more successful. Um, so yeah, it's the same thing. You, you have to, you want to be all in, you want to have the right mindset, but you got to pace yourself through this too, you know, and realize that they're going to be roadblocks down the way and, and you, you want to be ready to handle them. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> 
That's so funny. And I, I, I think that I'm guilty of, and like you said, a lot of people, we all go into this at, all right, I'm 120% in, you know, I'm not going to eat any desserts. No, I'm not going to have yeah. any that. I'm only going to have, yeah. you know, I'm only going to eat vegetables and I'm only going to eat chicken breast. And then we're like, this is awful. <laughs> it's so funny. I got on a, a, an Instagram live today and somebody was asking me about what's my favorite cheat meal. And I said, you know, I don't have cheat meals. I don't, that word, there's nothing good about that word. No. Nothing in any context. There's not one good thing about it. So associating that word with what you're doing, I just think is not a great idea. It's putting you in this, in the mindset of this is wrong. I shouldn't be doing this. There's something bad about it. And I told, told this person instead, I include, if I were going to have a cheat meal, it would include probably pizza and chocolate and, and maybe even chocolate cake or something. You know I mean? It would be something like that. But if I want those things, I will include them. I'm not going to wait for an occasion. I will include them when I want them. This is how you need to live. So, um, yeah, being the two, they're all in. I'm going to do just chicken and broccoli and that's it. And I'm going to lose the weight and I'm going to be disciplined because they think it's being disciplined. That's what I used to think. And people used to tell me, Susan, you're so disciplined. And that kept feeding it, you know? And, yep. Yes. And, and, and I thought, yeah, you know, right on. I am disciplined. Yet at all the birthday celebrations in our office, when people would bring things, pass around the cake, I would say, no, thank you. Thinking I'm doing the right thing and I'm disciplined, but dying on the inside because I really wanted a piece of cake. I really wanted to do it. And I was even so crazed that on my own birthday, I didn't do it. One year on my own birthday, I didn't do it. And I look back and I think, what an idiot I was. Um, I only did that once, but it's embarrassing now. It's just, it's horrifying to me that I wouldn't even do that. But that tells you the, the struggle, the internal versus the external struggle that was going on with, with someone who at that time was a fitness professional, had been certified a couple of years. You know, I mean, I was new to the game, but I knew, and you know, it just, it blows my mind. It just, it, it, it just blows my mind. And that's what I don't want people to do because, well, there's a lot of reasons not to do that. But the biggest one is life is too short to not do stuff like that. It just, big picture, it doesn't matter. A piece of freaking cake does not matter. And you'll never go, you, you'll never be at your deathbed regretting that you had that piece of cake at the office thing for your 40th birthday or something. But you, what you will kind of regret is being part of social occasions and not participating fully and stuff. You don't want to have those regrets, you know, and, and it's kind of a minute little example, but I, it just, it, I'm passionate about it because I just feel like I wasted some time because of that and it was stupid and I don't want anybody to, to have to do that because it's not worth it. Yeah. I have tears in my eyes right now. Cause I'm just thinking about, I think like I, you know, when I turned 30, I was like, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be a runner. I'm going to be a yeah. clean eater, blah, blah, blah. Cool. Well that lasted for like two and a half years of me being afraid. Like we moved to a new city and I was afraid to go out to eat yeah. because there's going to be food there that I can't eat. Like, cool. Yeah, that I can't eat. Yes. Can't eat. Well, yes. Why does it like who, if, if, I don't know, we, we get into this idea of I can't live my life so that I can lose weight, but it's like, okay, but now you're afraid of life. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. The amount of times that my husband would say, um, you pick where we're going to go to eat, where, where you can find some place that you can eat or something. There's stuff that you can eat. And I thinking now, Oh my God, what a nightmare. I was. Oh, I, you know, you just, I can't look back and keep kicking myself for it. I mean, it's done. It's over. I'm not there anymore. And, and I am now in a different place, but that's what I don't want people to fall into, you know? And I do have clients that are struggling with that. And we have to approach that one thing at a time. And I issue them sometimes a challenge on, on these things. You know, I want you to, to go to a restaurant you've never gone to. And I want you to just enjoy yourself. If you're afraid you're going to drink and give yourself a rule, you'll have a drink, order what you want from the menu and be present with whoever you're with, you know, and enjoy it and just hop back on the next day. 
you know, and we just keep practicing that. I think that's one of the key words that I keep hearing you say is the word practice and the word trust. Um, it's come up a lot, practice and yeah. trust, which is so yeah. completely the opposite of what we all think weight loss is about. Yeah. Like yeah. we got to where we were because we let everything go, but it's like, uh, yeah, it, it, yeah. you know, and I think it, just people think that 1200 is that number. Um, and, and what media puts out there as far as, um, lose 20 pounds in just three weeks or something, you know, you have all that slamming in your face and the, the shortcuts to this and the short, you know, 21 days to this and 14 days to that. And so I think we get pounded with all of that, but I do think that it just seems like things are shifting. And I just feel like there's more and more of us out there now pounding out the truth and it, we're starting to make headway. I see that. Um, it's different now. It's still out there. We still, I mean, we still see people, but I think it's kind of a mission with all of us. I think, and that's what's so cool about the fitness community. I think we're all kind of in this together and, you know, we all have our little specialties. So we all are doing our thing, but we're all kind of saying the same message. And I think that's going to ultimately win out. Um, and I think that's why we're all going to help so many more people um, because we're just kind of together in this. Yeah, I think so too. I think that we've all kind of like been burned and we've all kind of yeah. been manipulated in the past and we're like, this isn't right. Like this isn't yeah. how anyone should live life. And I think that too, like the older that I get, the more I realize I've spent so much of my life hating on myself and just hating everything where it's like, I see this a lot in your guys' posts. I know like Jordan or Carter, all of you guys, um, just like a positive message around fitness and weight loss and mindset and just it's different. Yeah. Yeah. A lot I th- yeah. I, I think the whole beating ourselves up is a big one. Gosh, it's huge. Uh, yeah. I think we, uh, uh, we spend way too much time doing that. And I think that's, um, that holds, that holds us back, you know, and, and that just affects other aspects of our lives too. Not just the whole, fitness and food thing. And, um, I, I just think it's, it affects us everywhere. And, and once we can learn to live, it's kind of like, wow, why didn't I do this before? You know, I mean, it's just, I find myself saying that and I don't like to, to, to look back and have regrets like that, but it's just fascinating. You know, I equate it to this. You're, you've dug yourself into this ginormous hole. You don't realize you're in it at the time. You really don't. You're kind of, thinking you're with everyone else, but reality, you're not, you're in this hole and you don't realize how deep you're in it until you're out of it, looking back down in it. And you're like, Holy shit. That's where I was. Um, that's how I feel. I feel like I'm out of that hole. And it's like, I cannot believe I survived. I mean, it, I just, I look at myself, I think I'm a different person. And I know Jordan keeps telling me, no, you're not a different person. You're the same person. Yes. I, I am the same person on the inside. Yes. He said, but you have just switched your mindset. And so the Susan is there. This You've been hiding this Susan. The Susan's always been in there. You've just now got her out. And I, I like that because I don't feel like saying I'm different. I'm different in how I think, yes. Um, my heart's the same. Everything, that that's the same person. Um, but just how I view life is different now, very different, much better. Um, I, I don't take anything for granted anymore, nothing. You know, and that's, that's, that's a factor of age too. I think that, that as you get older, you kind of, you know, more and, and that stuff into play. So, you know, um, you kind of appreciate things too. I wish yeah. I was like that when I was your age. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell people your age this. I just, first of all, when I was your age, I was an idiot, number one. So I am so impressed by, you know, all my colleagues, like you all are so much younger than I, and I just, every day I'm amazed at what you guys are doing at your age. Um, because I was not, I mean, I was a teacher then, but making all kinds of weirdness, it just, I was just not in the headspace that you guys are at. And the fact that you're there now, when you are my age, oh man, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. Cause you guys are just going to kick freaking ass. 
<laughs> it's going to be amazing. I mean, you already are, but when you're my age, you know, it's, you're, it's just amazing. You have such a big head start. And so, yeah, you got to keep going. Thank you. Tears in my eyes again. <laughs> um, so I do want to touch on a little bit though. So you said, how did you get yourself out of that hole? How did you like, who are you surrounding yourself with? Cause there are people that are like, no, I am. And that I have to be perfect. I have to be a cleaner. I don't yeah. trust myself. Yeah. How do you even go about getting yourself out of that? You know, I was, um, I hit, I hit an all time low. I think when my doctor told me it wasn't my metabolism, because I was all set for that. Seriously, yeah. I was devastated. I was in tears in her office. Um, and I had to wrap my head around that. And, um, and at that point, I had hooked up with another trainer. Um, and, and he was okay. I think his training methods, I look back on that and think that was not a good call for me. That's when I started really overtraining. But I did start losing some weight. So that helped my head a little bit but really was not scratching the surface as to what I needed to do. But in my head, I thought, Oh, okay. I am making progress. Yeah. Um, I reached out to Jordan, not for weight loss help, but for, um, training help. I wanted, I wanted a, a better program and a different program. And I thought I wanted a power lift at the time. Um, and my goals obviously have changed since then, but that's kind of why I signed on with them, but not for nutrition. So we really didn't even go down that road. Um, but I listened to everything he said, list, read everything he wrote, watched everything he put out. And I started just putting things into practice on my own. And then he and I would start talking about it and he would help direct me. And so that's how it all changed. And, um, having a coach that changed it all and changed it from a little tough love, um, also from a loving side, um, being supportive and, and, and just, kind of reassuring, I guess. Um, and, um, being a cheerleader, you know, and encouraging me that kept me going. And I started to believe, and I started to see the changes and then the mindset shift and the conversations that he and I would have would be totally different than they were at the beginning, you know, just, yeah, crazy. How, how that changed. I look back on emails, our email transactions from when I first started, to, you know, now I'm a partner with him. So, I mean, it's a totally different thing now, but it's just very interesting um, how I evolved through, through coaching. So it's about finding that fit for you, you know, that somebody that you do trust that can guide you, that can hold you accountable. That's not going to be afraid to tell you when you're screwing up and you need to change something. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of things and you have, you have to navigate all of that, but that's how it changed for me is just getting around the right person. And then after him, being around him, I've now come into this whole circle of people that are just amazing in this industry. Um, and it's unbelievable to be connected with them and working with them and, and wanting the same thing with them, you know, helping as many people as we can. That's kind of all of our missions. Yeah. Yeah. I think anytime I've made a big change in my life, it's because I had a mentor or a teacher or a coach or something. Yeah. We can get into our own heads and, you know, yeah just do the same yeah. thing over and over. And then you have someone yeah. else that's like, Hey, you keep doing that and it's not working. You're like, Oh, you know, my, my college band director had this saying he used to use with us. And that is if it stinks, don't sit there and smell it. Mm -hmm. And it was basically in reference to change and in reference to us playing. And if we're playing out of tune, don't sit there and keep playing out of tune, fix it. You know, you either with your instrument, you either, pull out something and the, the pitch will change. And if it sounds worse, go the other way, but just don't sit there and do nothing. And that's kind of how I was. And kind of what you were referencing is we just keep doing the same thing. We're in a hamster wheel and we do the same thing. And yet we're scared to step out of it, you know, which is the irony of it all. Like when I was doing all this high volume training, I thought I had to do it because if I didn't, I was going to get fat again. So I am, trying to do all this volume stuff. I was making zero progress. That's the irony, but I kept sitting there and doing it and doing it until I finally said, I can't, I just, I, my body can't do it. And I, I hit that all time low and yeah. 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 It's just, you can't sit there. You have to, you have to do something. You have to take that step. Yeah. Which can be scary, but I mean, yeah, it, um, it can be scary to do the same thing over and over. So uh, there's no doubt about it. No doubt. It's not, it's very scary. 
through some. And, and sometimes you have to gauge what step you want that person to take. You know, I was talking to somebody, a prospective client the other night and, and a lot of things going on and, and, and not a lot of experience and nervous. And, and one thing we talked about is how I would probably approach nutrition with this person. And, you know, there are a lot of things that needed to be changed, but we're not going to change everything at once. You can't because they'll get so overwhelmed. They won't do anything. And it's kind of like, you know, I walk into my house sometimes and there's clutter everywhere. And I'm like, I don't even know where to begin to fix this. When what I need to do is go, to one drawer and fix one drawer and then I go to another drawer and then I fix that drawer and then the shelf and then instead of trying to overhaul the whole whole room it's like that you know you have to do one thing at a time so maybe it's protein or just eating more vegetables every day let's start with that drinking more water every day have protein at every meal whatever you know start basic and then build you know such good advice (laughs) such good advice because yeah we think we have to overhaul everything yeah thank you for that (laughs) baby steps don't have to one thing at a time (laughs) yeah so okay Susan um what who so who specifically do you um, work with online um do you work in person or is it only online I have just a couple in person um usually my neighbors because I have a studio in my house so I really don't do that much in person at all any, anymore. So almost everyone is online. I have, there are people all over the world, you know, um, which is the cool thing about the internet. You know, we hear all these bad things about the internet, but it's an amazing place. Connect to me with you. I mean, with people that we, we would never be connected with if it wasn't for the internet. So it's such a fantastic thing. So yeah, it's, it, I'm all, I'm really all online. Wonderful. Great. Yeah. All right, Susan, thank you so much. It was so great to talk with you. I will have all of the links to um, Susan's accounts and email and everything in the show notes. That sounds great. (laughs) Thanks, Susan. All right, thanks so much.